Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. 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 Very good, Benjamin, if a little bit low energy because of your impending sickness and doom. But look, we don't have any time to get into your medical history. I'm sure it's a minor flare-up of the old HIV-AIDS because we've got a ton of trailers to look at, including Wes Anderson's new film, Asteroid City, Asteroid City, which you can't say without saying ass. Also, Unicron Warriors band The Revenge of the Transformers and Marvel Studios. How many Samuel L. Jacksons are there? So many, it's Secret Invasion. Plus, trailers for Extraction 2, this time there's more Hemsworth. And, about half an hour ago, Blue Beetle, a new trailer. Plus... Plus, would you believe, it keeps going. This just keeps going. The Rock, Hollywood's own Dwayne The Rock Johnston has just made a major, if boring, announcement. And you've seen all of The Mandalorian, I believe, and we're going to have a quick chat about that. And the two of us have seen the new Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves. And we're going to do a little bit of spoilers for it because it's now out on general release. <laughs> sure listen Michael if that wasn't enough and it really is we're chock-a-block this week we have put ourselves through the torture of two exhumed episodes in a row Michael and this served as a strong reminder as to why we don't do that last week Michael we took a look at the spectacularly challenging world of the Dungeons and Dragons movie oh, yeah. uh, from 2000 and I this forgot. week we watched the spectacularly challenging Super Mario Bros. from the 90s with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. Uh, ah, Michael, Jesus Christ. Some some fascinating stuff going on. Speaking, Benjamin, of challenging filmmakers, there's a new Asteroid City trailer from your favourite filmmaker, Wesley Anderson. Michael, I love a symmetrical frame. You do? I love a Jason Schwartzman. You do? You're mad for him. I'm absolutely mad for him. I love Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, Tom Hanks, yeah. Thanks, as I call him. Um, I love a bloody Scarlett Johans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Too much, ah, yeah. some people say. Some people would say that, yeah. I don't know if I'd agree with them. But, yeah, in general, Michael, it's got a whole cavalcade of people in this, Michael. And it's uh, it's, it's it's not straying too far from, from what old Wes enjoys. There's a, there's a very set pastel-esque colour palette. Oh, yeah, I saw it, yeah, pink. Uh, bloody yellows and uh, light blues, Michael. Light blue, yeah, yeah. A lot of light blues. Um, everybody looks to be white or white adjacent, Michael. Very important. <laughs> white adjacent. I hope white adjacent becomes a new term in the gender and race discourse stemming from this podcast. I think that's generally what what you know boring white people try and say to give themselves a bit of you know a bit of spice. On top, oh, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, on well, the podcasts. I'm not, I'm not really white. I'm I'm white adjacent because, uh, you know, I'm Irish. So that, that doesn't really count, you know. We're, we're a form of, of white. Benjamin, what's Wes Anderson up to now, though? Is this set in the now times or is it set in the past times? You can never tell with Wes Anderson because of anachronisms. Michael, he enjoys kind of creating a, a bizarre hyper-reality where lots of different things meld together from different time periods so that you're left going, what is this? What's going on here? Now, Michael, it it looks to be heavily in the style of a classic Hollywood B-movie. Go on. I'd love to hear more about that. 
Uh, well, I mean, it, it's no it's no new trick of Wes Anderson to use strange kind of kitsch on the nose special effects. Something that looks very homemade, Michael, if you will. And mm. um, we see a lot of that in this. We see a big old spaceship made of tinfoil. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we see a big old closed mini bottle set where you're everyone's sitting in a closed little room. It's like a stage play, Michael, but if it had a massive budget. Um, and yeah, I think Wes Anderson likes to tell you that it's all a stylistic choice. I think he's just skimming a ton off he's the just, top, Michael. He's just cheap, Benjamin. Now, Benjamin, <laughs> yeah. we've started a new trend where I'm uh, introducing a lot of the lingo, the lingo and terminology of the youth. Go on, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to say that for me, this trailer was giving nope. Giving nope, was it? Mm. Yeah, now, yeah, a little bit. Michael, what do you think that means? I think it means that it was given off vibes of being like the movie Nope. Yeah, okay, it was giving nope. I Okay, I understand what you mean now, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for once again braving yep. the youth, the Gen Z. I was and, on TikTok, uh, Ben. I'm looking. On, I'm going on TikTok. I've got a little notebook. It's a digital notebook. It's because we're on TikTok now, We're up on Michael. TikTok, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just writing down what the young people are saying. Yeah, you're just taking notes. Take oh, notes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, Michael, it, it, it's got nope vibes. It's got, I, I'd imagine if Fun. Wes Anderson was making this around the same time, he's kicking himself now going, oh, oh, fuck. God damn that Jordan Peele got out ahead of me. God damn it, he got out ahead of me. There's there's a lot of big sky country. There's a lot of classic Roswell vibes. Mm. Um, there's a lot of aliens are coming to get us. Are they good? Are they bad? Should we worship them? Who's to say? Who is to say? Well, probably the aliens. The heart of it, Michael, I would imagine there is more than likely a dysfunctional Jewish family. Yes, and they'll probably be all standing around saying weird things to each other and people not really reacting. And I'd imagine that one Thomas Hanks is probably going to be a gruff, stern figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was um, was Bill Murray not available? I don't know, Michael. That's that's what interests me. I was like, oh, where's Bill? Bill's in all of these. Where's Bill? He was, maybe he was too busy filming his vital plot-shifting cameo in Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. Yeah, what a role, Michael. A real career definer. <laughs> Wasn't it a shit? It was really bad. A waste of Bill Murray is what I would say. Um, speaking of bizarre cameos in Marvel things, Michael, did you see the trailer for Secret Invasions? I did. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's in it? That was a bizarre cameo. They may as well have called it the British Invasion, Michael. Oh, very good because it's got Amelia Clark in it. Bloody Olivia Coleman, Academy Award a- winner, Olivia Coleman, the Queen of England herself, Olivia Coleman. Hmm. Martin Short is back. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Martin Short it's Martin Freeman yeah Martin but Freeman. I, I would love Martins. Martin Short yeah I'd love Martin Short playing his character from inner space yeah that'd be good that'd be enjoyable I'd watch that um, yeah so we got the trailer for, finally Michael some would say for uh, Marvel Studios this this comes with their announcement Michael that they'll be slowing down their yearly output probably good probably good probably a smart move probably mm. should have been the first thing they looked at when things weren't going great, as opposed yeah. to, no, what if we tried it this way, though? And it's like, I don't think it's anything to do with, you know, the amount you're putting out. I think, if anything, you could tone it back, you know, just, yeah. just a little bit. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. A well, bit. a lot of what we've made recently has been rubbish. So should we just make more and faster? Yeah, that'll probably that'll probably keep people interested, won't it? Just throw as much of it at them as they can. Benjamin, 
speaking of Marvel and its trials and tribulations, we didn't really talk last week because it happened moments before we recorded, but Victoria Alonso was fired from Marvel. Yes, long-time producer. Head of VFX. Yeah. Head of VFX. That's, that's, um, that's very bad. Yeah, she was fired, Michael. Mm. Let's and go. thrown right under the bus. The minute she was fired, the whole industry jumped on her and basically said she is the person responsible for the poor working conditions and the fact that movies made these days look worse than movies made 20 years ago. I don't think that's true. Uh, I mean, people seem pretty convinced. She's the reason. Yes. I don't know. There's a, there's a smack of misogyny off that one. I don't know. We're forever blaming big studio. I don't think this is about being a man or a woman. I think this is about Marvel have been blamed for leading the race to the bottom in terms of paying VFX studios. And there, and as the head of that, good old Victoria Alonso, who's now been fired, is getting thrown under the bus. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty harsh uh, response from the gang over at Disney. But uh, yeah, I mean, everybody piled on, Michael. Everybody just in, elbows swinging, you know, just fuck you, Victoria. Fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if it does reek of misogyny, though, because it's not like they said the special effects industry has really gone out downhill because she kept having her period. (laughs) They made a few... Misogyny comes in many forms, Michael. Um, It's not just period-related humour. No, I thought it was. No, it's not. No, that's what it was in the 70s, Ben. No, misogyny is quite a broad topic, Michael. Um, But in general, uh, there's been quite a few uh, firings from Marvel of lately. Uh, Noted bad egg, Ike Perlmutter is gone. He's gone. They got rid of Ike. They got rid of Ike. Ike is out, as they'd say. So him Look, and Victoria Benji. were dropped. I, I think this is a, a, as you said, Michael, a race to the bottom. But it's also a, a saving our skins kind of vibe, because I would imagine there's a lot of pressure on Marvel at the moment from Disney, saying, eh, "Here, you were the most successful franchise in movie history. What's this trick? What's what's this nonsense?" Did anyone see She-Hulk? What what were you doing? What what was that? What was that? Yeah, and like only two or one and a half of the episodes of Moon Knight were any use, lads. Come on. Um, but your look, Ben, this level of churn is never a good sign. Go on. I just think this is this is the same Marvel as now DC. This level of interior, in, in, inside discontent is never a good sign for the stuff that's being produced. It's no good. It's no it's good. It's the end, Ben. This is the end. This is the end of the era of the superheroes. Maybe we're about to see the beginning of the new era of the resurgence of fantasy based around the ever-growing popularity of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, Michael. Um, biz- bizarre. Was that was that your cue for a little segue there? From- no, it wasn't a segue. No, no, no. no, no. Speaking, of, speaking of fantasy, you showed me a very interesting trailer for a cartoon, which I thought looked great, Benjamin. Uh, it looks very good. It's called Unicorn Warriors Eternal, Michael. Mm. Unicorn What's going Warriors on? Eternal. It's, uh, it's Gennady Taratovsky, Michael. That's that's an approximation of that man's name. I think it's correct, but I could be wrong. <laughs> it's um, not. What's his name? <laughs> now, let's go with Gennady ah, Taratovsky. I'm going to look it up now. Uh, Michael, it's him off the Samurai Jacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was close. You got most of the syllables right, Ben. It's Gennady Taratovsky. Oh, now I don't know. Now I can't remember. Uh, you absolute son of a bitch. Anyway, uh, this seems to have a distinctly D&D vibe to it, Michael. 
do tell. Um, it, so it's based around Eternal Warriors or Avatar-based Warriors, Michael. Okay. And um, yeah, it's, it's Gendy Tartakovsky. Yeah, that sounds right. What did I say? Not that. Right, fair enough. Um, but anyway, Michael, we're going to be getting a, a, a new thing from him. He had a very uh, bizarre hit with Primal. I don't know if you saw Primal, Michael. I didn't. Not many people saw Primal. Primal was a completely dialogue-free no. um, series about a caveman who forms an alliance with a T-Rex. Oh, um, Moon and Boy and Devil Dinosaur. A little bit like that. I've seen the first episode of that and I didn't put it on the running order, Michael. We'll get back to that in a second. But um, yeah, so he got two seasons out of that, Michael, and it was just them following their, their primal adventures across um, a prehistoric landscape. It was very good. Very good, Michael. Um, but now we're going to get Unicorn Warriors Eternal. And it looks to be yes a rotating set of four characters who come up against a great evil. Oh, that's very Dungeons and Dragons-y. Very Dungeons and Dragons. What is playing music? I don't know. Are you playing music? (laughs) I can't win. Ben's brain is absolutely addled, ladies and gentlemen. This is great stuff. Um, But, Michael, 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 it looks to be the definition of a TTRPG. That is to say, a tabletop role-playing game. Oh, very good. Yeah, it it ties in with that whole idea of writing a character, having your backup character, should any foul play befall your original character, etc., etc., etc. Very, very interesting stuff, Michael. It, it looks fun. I, I get, it, in general, uh, Mr. Tartakovsky delivers a really solid cartoon. I'm I'm a massive Samurai Jack fan, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing this as well. I think it's going to be an excellent addition. Yes, very exciting and interesting. I too am a big Samurai Jack fan and I loved his Star Wars The Clone Wars bit. It was very, 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 very good. Very good stuff altogether. Speaking of surprisingly good things, we did enjoy Extraction, didn't we? I think so. I think we did, didn't we? On purely face value, Michael, yes, we did. I think I remember enjoying it and thinking, well, there was a film that didn't need any sequel slash origin story. Yeah, there is a nicely tied together narrative, having gone through a full length, and we definitely don't need any more of that. Netflix weren't listening, though, Ben, because they've given us more of that. They've given us more of that. Yeah, very good. Excellent timing from both of us there, Michael. Well done. Thank Um, you. They've done a, it looks like it's going to be a sequel slash origin story. Do you think it's going to be an origin is it, isn't it? Is it not like, where's his wife or whatever? Oh, where's my wife? Oh, is, is there a bit more of that? You think it's that? I, I thought, based on the brick to the back of the head, Michael. Um, yes, go on. I thought that he was reliving what he'd already gone through. Yes, um, yeah. A flashback. A, a flashback, yeah. So I, maybe, maybe, I, I, it's very hard to tell, Michael. What we get, Michael, is a very intense action sequence. Everyone's uh, fighting Chris Hemsworth. Very good use of a riot shield, though, wasn't it? That's how you use them. Is, that's not how you use them, Michael. I, I did find myself questioning the physics of what uh, Chris Hemsworth was pulling off in that initial kind of uh, tete-a-tete with the lads. I just, I was like, surely there's wind resistance. Surely you can't get that kind of dynamic speed. Oh, yeah, no, Chris Hemsworth can, though. Chris Hemsworth can because he's a big jacked man. He's a big jacked man. He's got a special workout program and steroids. And significantly yep. more, uh, significantly higher risk of Alzheimer's. 
associated with steroids. No, um, associated with him. He does a bizarre show called Limitless on National Geographic. Um, does he? Where he looks at um, kind of unusual human achievements and advances in medicine, fitness. Oh, go on. Sports. And he found out on one episode of that, Michael, that he is at, at, a, at an unusually high risk of developing Alzheimer's later in his life. Because he keeps getting hit in the head with bricks? No, he has a genetic predisposition. Oh, no, that's not what you want to find out. Yeah, so he's taking a, a large break from acting, Michael. Not Obviously not anymore, but um, yeah, he was taking a large break to spend time with family and kind of adjust to this awful information. Oh, no. Yeah, no good, no good. No, this looks no good, good, though, doesn't it? Does it? Uh, it uh, definitely looks like it's happening. I like, I like, I like a Chris. And I think it's fair to say, we can say a Chris now, Michael. You know, it could be a Chris Pine. It could be a Chris Evans. Yeah. It's preferably not a Chris Pratt. Your favourite Chris Pratt. Um, Yeah. No, not my favourite, Michael, but thank you. Or a Chris Hemsworth. I'll take a Chris in an action scene, Michael. Just, yeah, slot them in. Watch them go. They're like little wind-up action heroes, Michael. Yeah, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Noted stuntman Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, All-round badass. Yeah. Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, who was actually a bit of a badass, Michael. Um, I will never recover from the amazing story told by Peter Jackson on how he corrected um, he corrected the, the the actor playing Wormtongue on what it sounds like to be stabbed. I was like, oh, mm. so dark. Oh. oh. Um, anyway, Benjamin, we didn't think we were going to get it on time, but we did. We saw a trailer for uh, Imagine If Iron Man Was Venom and Spider-Man. Yeah, Michael, we got a trailer for Blue Beetle. Um, yes. And I didn't even know this was happening. I thought it was my imagination. I saw a poster for it, I think, when we went to see a film the other day. Oh, it wasn't you. It was me and Jim when we went to see... What did we go to see, Ben, in the square the other day? Uh, it was one of the three films that you saw last week. You saw yeah, yeah, the few. one that we forgot. Shazam! Shazam! Yeah, I saw a poster for Blue Beetle in the cinema when I went to see Shazam. I said, what? This is a Blue Beetle film? And Benjamin, I do a weekly pop culture podcast, <laughs> yeah. like focused mostly around comic book movies and TV shows, and I didn't know this was coming out. I had no idea, Michael. Yeah. So how do you think that's going to do with the general public? With the general public, I don't think so hot. With the Blue Beetle fan base, which is apparently rabid, Michael. Oh, yeah, yeah. Massive. I had no idea about this, but he's, he's, a, real, he's a real home run for Latino representation in film. Oh, one of your favourites. Um, yeah, I love Latino representation of film, Michael, as you know. That's why you were saying you loved The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou so much. No, no, no. Remember I said that's why I don't like The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, because someone who doesn't enjoy Latino representation in film is probably Wes Anderson. <laughs> you took him down a peg there, Ben. Yeah, I've really taught multi-millionaire Wes Anderson a thing or yeah. two. Uh, come here to me. Come here to me. Yes, what is it? What come is here it? to me. Isht, right? This is centered around Jamie Reyes, Michael, and it's based on a comic Jaime. run. Jaime Reyes, sorry, you're absolutely right. Um, Jaime Reyes, Michael, and it's based on the comic run from back in the day when DC did their first big reboot. Um, oh, yeah? Back in the mid 2000s? No, that wasn't their first big reboot. Sure, Crisis on Infinite Earths was in the oh, 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. It? Uh, sorry, I meant their first. Sorry, the first one when I was alive. The first one that I. <laughs> yeah, first one enough. I remember, um, Michael, is is that one. And it's based on that. And it's about Jaime Reyes. And Jaime was Reyes. Was that the new 52 bit? Yeah, it was the new 52, Michael. The new oh, 52. Okay. And Jaime Reyes was the Blue Beetle of the new 52. Okay. Um, traditionally played by a white man, Michael, Ted Cord. Um, Ted Cord, yeah. Who was best pals with one Booster Gold. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A real classic kind of Batman-esque character. The basis, Ben, you'll remember. He's from Carlton Comics, isn't he? He is, yeah. And he was the basis for Owlman and Watchmen. He was indeed. He was 100% the basis for Owlman and Watchmen. He has the same kind of weird bug-shaped thing. We got a glimpse of that in the trailer, Michael. We saw the original, t- the, the Cordmobile or the, the Beetlemobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. What's going on? So it's it, Are, are we going to have both? One of the things that really, I think we're probably going to have a touch of both, Michael, to it. One of the things I really enjoyed about it, number one, was the body horror element. Um, that transformation was terrifying stuff. Very Venom-esque. Very Venom-esque, but even more kind of unnerving. That was a very alarming transformation sequence. Um, good old-fashioned alien vibes with a face hugger. Um, mm. Crawling up the old spine and then uh, transforming your, your son and cousin into a, a monster. Terrible, terrifying stuff. Um, but not a monster. Iron Man. Iron Man, yes, from space. Yeah, yeah. Iron Man from space. So the Blue Beetle Scarab, Michael, in the New 52 continuity is uh, an, an, an alien exosuit that bonds with a host. Yes. And they bond with a host and then you become a super warrior. This was handled very well, Michael. I don't know if you remember Injustice. Not injustice. Um, ah, no. The new fifty-two. No, no, no. This is going to drive me nuts now. Young Justice. Well, there we go. Young Justice. The cartoon series had an entire arc in season two based on Jaime Reyes and the threat that the Beetle Scarabs represent. So they belong to um, a collective hive mind uh, in space, Michael, and they um, bond people to the Scarabs and then take them over. And the host doesn't actually have a say in what they do anymore. Sounds a lot like the symbiotes from Venom. It does sound an awful lot like that, Michael. But um, that was handled very well in that. So I'm, I thought it looked quite good, Michael. Um, it looked all right. Yeah, it looked like uh, Jaime Reyes is a Hispanic Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, I think we're probably going to get strong Hispanic Spider-Man vibes. But then again... Yeah, or as you say, Ben, a Spider-Man. Uh, yes, a Spider-Man. Um... <laughs> And yeah, so in general, Michael, I, I think it looked quite good. I thought the special effects were quite neat. Um, I enjoyed the sword, the big long anime sword thing that he it's makes. Very, yeah, yeah, very Buster sword from Final Fantasy VII. He, ben, how is he not just Iron Man, though? Uh, it looks like it's nanotechnology. So He's just Blue Iron Man. One of the things, yeah, he is essentially Blue Iron Man, Michael, but it's aliens. Oh, it's aliens this time. It's aliens this time. Uh, Susan Sarandon is in it, Michael. Susan Sarandon wants the blue beetle. Uh, Susan Sarandon wants the blue beetle because it's her weapon. Her weapon. Oh, she um, an alien. Yeah, it looks like we're going to have a classic La Familia vibe, Michael, because you can't make a Latino movie without uh, referencing the Vin Diesel playbook of La Familia. <laughs> um, La Familia. So yeah. Jaime Reyes, one of, one of the interesting things I thought, even even purely from an original point of view, is transforming in front of your entire family. Um, yeah, it's, it's, for the first time. Yeah, it's not a terrifying moment alone uh, like it was for Spider-Man or, you know, other superheroes. This happens right in front of his family and they are with him all the way. They're just like, OK, well, this is great. Yeah, this is good news. And it's going to be interesting. I, I actually, for a movie I had no idea was, was coming out, I'm quite excited. I think it could be very good. I'll tell you what, I'll go and see it. I wonder where it fits in the universe. Who bloody knows? Although, there does seem to be a Batman. Uh, yeah, he's a fascist. That was my favourite quote from the entire trailer. Um, Very good. It's kind of like Batman. Batman's a fascist. I was like, yeah, sold. 
Um, yep. Well, that that would tickle your wickle, wouldn't it, Comrade Colopy? Comrade Colopy, that's me. Sure, look, Ben. Sure, look. Sure, listen. One of the things you've been saying over the last couple of weeks and months, oh, I don't like where uh, this is and going. particularly with the Little Mermaid coming up, was um, you just I don't love like this. you just love Disney live action remakes, but your biggest problem with them is that you have to wait so long. Why couldn't they just release them straight away? Why not release the animated film and the live-action film at the same time? And you could go see them one after the other, or perhaps even watch them on two screens simultaneously. Michael, that does sound very much like something I would say. Um, mm. And you'll you'll know from my Twitter campaign, hashtag two screens at once. Um, yeah. You know, I have always pushed for simultaneous live-action animated releases. Michael, I, I have always wanted to see that in the cinema. Uh, ever since the early days of Aladdin, Michael, I've I've wanted that. Mm, um, but, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. but today, Michael, I'm I'm happy to say, after much lobbying of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, yes. we have actually made massive strides towards hashtag oh, great. Uh, to one movie, two screens. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it turns out we're getting a live action Moana about three years after the <laughs> the, the film. No, it's it's longer than that, Michael, but. It might be closing in on 10 years for Moana, but it doesn't feel that long. It doesn't feel that long, Michael. It certainly doesn't. Um, but we are getting a live-action Moana announced by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I was just saying to you, Michael, I don't think I like Dwayne The Rock Johnson anymore. <laughs> You've gone off him, Ben. I've gone off despite, despite leading the charge for your new favourite thing, hashtag buy cinema. I just feel like he's up to something shifty. What's he up to? I feel like he's got old man ego now. Oh, go on. I feel like he was like the top dog for a very long time in Hollywood. Like, deservedly so. He was a big, kind of larger than life, charismatic dude. But he was always in the jungle. Yeah, he was always in the jungle, always taking a swing at things. Always wearing a kind of tan vest. Wearing a tan vest. And I feel like, Michael, cinema and also the cinema going public has possibly moved on a fraction there. Go on. Um, and we certainly have, be it true or not, Michael Cape fatigue. Yes. And I feel like some of his projects, in particular Black Adam, which are his personal projects more than anything else, where he kind of invests in them, I feel like they don't go as well for him. And now I feel like he's a bit bitter about it. And I find it very interesting to watch him kind of unravel. Black Adam has not done him any favours, especially not once the rumours start swirling that he torpedoed Henry Cavill and Shazam 2. Yeah, so I, I think that's unfortunately quite true. Um... And it's, I don't know, I just get shifty vibes off him. He has Alpha Eagle, do you know what I mean? Where it's just like, it's all right not to be front and center. He's like, ah, but you know, I'm great. I, I was great back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, key phrase, back in the day. Um, look at the size of my muscles. Look at the size of my muscles. Um, assumedly, he will play Maui in the, the live action version. Which I don't know, Ben. I don't know. Because I, I we only saw this about five minutes before the before we started recording so we haven't really had time to digest it but also because it was St. April Fool's Day at the weekend I spent a lot of the weekend ignoring announcements yeah I'm trying to filter out things that weren't that's, true that's fair so, so this nearly didn't make it through my bullshit scope yeah it's been a tough week for pop culture podcasting Michael um, <laughs> I, I, I added together. about six things to the notion and then realised oh fuck oh that's fake that's fake as fuck Um. Uh, it, it ruined things for me, Michael. April, April what Fools. Some, not, not what were some of your favorites, man? Um, there was a what was the there was a Batman one announced for uh, I can't remember. 
Oh, oh Clayface, is that real? Uh, no, I think those are actually real. Those those are actually real. Those are actually happening. We're getting a we're getting a Clayface, a Scarecrow, and a Poison Ivy movie. Oh, really? Or series? I'll have to come back to that. But anyway, we we managed to survive, Michael. And it turns out we're getting a live action Moana from Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And I think it's kind of a shame because one of the things shame the Rock Johnson, shame the Rock Johnson, shame. One of the things that was quite positive about Moana and that a lot of people responded to was um, the fact that Maui is not a large muscular man. But, well, he is a very muscular man, but he's a very accurate representation of the Polynesian physique. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so is The Rock because The Rock is Polynesian. Well, that's true. That's true. He's also an accurate representation of the thing. Um, and being as I would imagine, he's tried to get into Wes Anderson movies over the last couple of years. And Wes Anderson <laughs> is just like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll set something up later. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd say. Do you have any white friends? I'd say he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any white pals that you'd like to be? Yeah. How's How's Triple H doing these days? <laughs> uh, we get him in here. How is John Cena doing? Yeah. And yeah, Michael. So I think um, we'll we'll probably. I the live action ones are terrible, Michael. No, who cares? I, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I don't care. I don't care at all. It's, it's like, phew. I like. I, I found it hard a few years ago, Ben, to um, kind of fathom people who seemed to be just against superhero movies because we were so deep in them. And if someone said to me like, oh, I just don't really care about all this superhero shit. I was like, yeah, you're just saying that because you want to sound counterculture. And now that's exactly how I feel yeah. about Disney live action remakes. And so I apologize to everyone who I sneered at when they said they didn't like superhero films. Yeah, I, I think at a certain point, some things are just jading. They're just like, oh, God, OK. Yeah. I guess that's happening Bloody, again. Yeah, let's have Moana again. Great stuff. With Triple H's. With Triple H's, as Maui. Maui. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Directed by Wes Anderson. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd see it. I'd see it then. I'd see it for the absurdity. Just for the absurdity, Michael. Uh, speaking of absurd things, Michael, I've been watching The Mandalorian. Oh, very good. Have you been watching it with your pal, Gina Garano? Gina Garano's not in it anymore, Michael, because she's a noted anti-vaxxer and a bit of a right-winger. Oh, and you can't be on television if you're those things. Well, you can. You're just not allowed to say it out loud. Ah, very that's good. All. Okay, that seems, yeah, that's, that's that sounds like a good recipe. That's the difference. The, we were looking at the career of Letitia Wright, who very quickly copped on and had several managers go, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Oh, I love vaccines. Rain it in. <laughs> oh, I love them. I love vaccines. You stand to be the next Black love, Panther. Suck it up. I love the government. I love, uh, what else do I love? HX. Tell me what I love. I love I'll shill for it. I love paychecks. Uh, I've been watching The Mandalorian, Michael. Uh, I watched the, the latest three episodes of The Mandalorian because I took a little break there in the middle. And what we got, Michael, was... Ah, oh, what a what an up and down slog, Michael. So episode three of The Mandalorian, Michael. Yes. Brought us back... Sorry, episode four of The Mandalorian, if you're keeping count, Michael. Um, brought us back face to face with the little scientist fella from season one who was trying to clone... Baby Yotes. Oh, I don't remember him. Yeah, nobody did, Michael. And that's why it was so weird that they decided to dedicate an entire episode to him. Oh, very and good. His, and his story now. Um, and we got to see Coruscant, Michael, and how it was coping after the Empire has fallen. And we got to witness their amnesty program for oh. former officers of the Empire. Oh, that's interesting. Potentially. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Yeah, no, um, potentially. It, w- it would have been. 
Except that nobody asked for it, Michael, in a show about bounty hunters and cute little green aliens. Oh, where was the Mandalorian while all this was going on? Oh, no, nothing to do with it, Michael. It was a side story. Oh. <laughs> it's a secondary storyline. So, because they put two episodes of The Mandalorian in the middle of Book of Boba Fett, they then didn't have enough Mandalorian for The Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And yeah. could they have put the missing episodes of Boba Fett in there, maybe? Maybe. Maybe, But, but they didn't. But they didn't. All so, right. I got fascinating, right? Fascinating um, choice. Not badly acted, not badly put together, completely different show. Oh, um, great. Who's in it? The, it's, it's, it's bizarre, Michael. Um, it's such a strange choice by them um, because it's got nothing to do with the main continuity. I mean, it does. It's supposed to hint at the return of Moff Gideon. Oh, um, oh Moffy and, G. And we find out that... Uh, excuse me. Where are you going? He's doing I some sort a, of sneezing. I had a sniffle there, uh, but we we find out that there's an inside agent in the New Republic. Oh, and um, she's feeding information back to old Muffy G. I knew it was Muffy G the whole time, even though I wasn't aware if he was still alive or not. Uh, yeah, so we, this is what we've slowly been discovering. So, Michael, then we return in the next episode to a good old-fashioned bounty hunting bonanza. Oh, go on. But it is, in fact, another episode of, Jesus, Mandalorians aren't great at this, are they? <laughs> this so, is some of the best content. <laughs> so what happens here, Michael, is we, we open on the beach wedding, circa 2001, as we did oh, before. Back to the beach wedding, okay. Back to the beach wedding, Michael, in the enclave. And uh, all, the, all the little Mandos are training, all the foundlings, ki-ai. Yes. Um, and they're learning to train. And what happens is, Michael... Bloody Prime Mando, Pedro Mando. Yes. He puts young Grogu up to it. He says, go on, show them what you can do. And in fairness to little baby Yodes, he uses a little bit of force and he does a little flip um, and he, he sorts himself out. And it's great stuff. And then, Michael, the opponent that he defeats goes and stands by the lake. Oh, yeah. And then, Michael, not a giant crocodile this time, but a giant bat reptile. What's coming out of that lake? Swoops down from off screen and carries the child away. Uh-oh. Now, Michael, I thought, oh, what a terrible thing to have happen. And the, the Mandos give chase. We've got Paz Vizsla, otherwise known as Gatling Gun Mando. Oh, Gatling Gun Mando has a name. Great stuff. Gatling Gun Mando. And he, uh, they give chase using the old jetpacks. But Michael, Michael, they run out of jetpack fuel. Oh, that's bad planning. And the big bird gets away. And then Paz Vizsla turns to Din Djarin and says, ah, oh, he got away like every other time. And I went, what? Every other time? Is this a frequent fucking occurrence? Um, and we come back and we find out that, yes, it is in fact a frequent occurrence where this weird bat reptile thing will swoop down and steal a child. So hold on a second then. A few weeks ago when they got attacked by that big giant swamp alligator and they weren't <laughs> ready for it, they were actually expecting to be attacked by a bat reptile. Yeah. And they were just similarly poorly prepared. Fucking ridiculous, Michael. Absolute uh, so the, the Mandalorians uh, mount a counter-assault, Michael, and they save the young foundling, who it turns out is Paz Vizsla's uh, son in this which brings up a whole list of questions about the death order and keeping your helmet on during uh just as you make your final thrusts and say this is the way this is the way this is the mm. way um 
And yeah, bizarre episode, Michael. And then we finished the latest episode, Michael, um, is where the the bloody Mandalorians return to the Mos Eisley-esque town that they all go to with uh, Carl Weathers. Oh yeah, is is it and not Mos Eisley? It's not. Oh, maybe it is. I can't. Uh, I can't fully remember. It's one of the Star Wars towns. A Star Wars, a classic Star Wars town. Yeah, from classic Star town. Wars town. Yeah. And Michael, it turns out that Gorian Shard, the pirate king from episode one has returned and he just bombs the yeah oh Michael you gotta keep up remember I told you about the Jim Henson Muppet oh from episode one of season three episode one of season three Michael yeah yeah yeah. not episode Episode one episode one no episode one of season three Michael and um, we got we got Space Cop back Um, the fella from Kim's Convenience whose name escapes me oh um, uh, oh I forget his name Pat something no I don't think so I, I I can't remember. Anyway, he's back and he alerts the the Mandalorian to the fact that old old Grief Carger, or Carl Weathers as he's known, uh, needs his help. And uh, he goes to sort it out and Grief Carger makes a deal with the Mandalorians that they can set up a little uh, above ground enclave and kind of settle in their roots and they can they can live as part of the community. And it's it's a lovely moment, Michael. They defeat all the pirates. And then, Michael, there's a little cameo from Star Wars Rebels. I don't even oh. ever watch Star Wars Rebels. I, I did. You did. It's the big purple fella. Oh, the big purple kind of knockoff Wookiee. The guy who was yeah, based the off, off the, the early Ralph McQuarrie drawings for, for um, Chewie. Yeah. yeah, so we got, we, got, um, we got him in live action. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, he, he has a two-minute cameo in the bar. Oh, it sounds expensive. Where he talks to, um, where he talks to Kim's Convenience Space Cop. Paul Sung Hyung Lee. Paul Sung Hyung Lee. Thank you. Um, yeah. And Michael, look, it's it's got some of its oomph back. Um, it's missing the dark tone, I think, that was set up in season two. I will never forget the season two episode of The Mandalorian where the one with Bill Burr. And they, that was a very good one, yeah. They come up against the, the horrors of what the Empire did, both of their own soldiers and you know, to other communities. What a what a great episode, Michael, that we're never going to get again. No. It's um, now, it's in the phase of diminishing returns, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's just in the phase of, it, it. it's just in the phase of, oh, we should probably make this more towards children because we can do more merchandising with kids. And great stuff altogether. Benjamin, yeah. as we are simultaneously witnessing the decline of the superhero genre and the Star Wars genre. Yeah. Are we simultaneously witnessing the rise of the TTRPG-based fantasy adventure genre? That was a buttery smooth transition, Michael. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you Mm. very much. Um, Because if it is, then we'll survive, Benjamin. The podcast will live on. Because it just about tickles our wickle enough that we'll be able to keep covering it. Yeah, we'll just talk about swords and sandals, Michael. And in fairness, we've we've never really based any of our continuing podcasting on success thankfully <laughs> so that's true yeah. that's fair enough anyway Ben we saw Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves last week but we can talk about it not necessarily any more in depth this week but a little bit more specifically because we're not so worried about spoilers because everyone who's going to be worried about spoilers has probably already seen it yeah so we're going to do spoilers from here on out ladies and gentlemen just so you're aware if you wouldn't like to do that go take a look at the timestamps down below in the description they've helpfully been put there by one Mick Thank you very much. Ben, can I start with a gripe? Go on, you give me a gripe. 
My biggest gripe that we couldn't really talk about last week revolved around my personal favourite character of Zenk the Paladin. Zenk! Zenk the Paladin, played by Regé Jean... You know what? I'm just thinking. It's probably pronounced Page if his first name is Regé. We need to ask him. I think it's Reggie. Is it? I think most people call him Reggie. Is it Reggie Jean? So it's Reggie Jean Page? I would like imagine, Jean look, I would, like I would Jean imagine it's Reggie Jean Page. But oh. I think a lot of people just call him Reggie. We'll ask him. Look, I'll, we'll I'll reach him. out to him and I'll ask him to come on to the podcast. We'll ask him. We'll get him on the podcast. Can anyway, you Benjamin. Can you imagine if he says yes? Oh, yeah, it'd be great. We'll get him Gats. on here. Ben, Yeah. Um, what was I saying? I don't oh, know. What I was saying was the everything about the advertising of this uh movie makes it seem like he is one of the core members of their adventuring band oh we got hooked michael where they fooled us big time because he's not it's a it's an extended cameo at best at best michael he's probably in it 20 minutes and he gets some top billing and i was not impressed i was like all the fucking phone the absolute temerity of you to lure us in here with Lord Bridgerton himself and then have him be a cool, kick-ass character with a detachable sword and then to walk off across the beach and we're thinking, oh, is he going to come back at the denouement? No. Because when they made this, he was considerably less famous. Really? Is that what it is? Uh, well, I, th- I think that's why he's got such high billing. Oh, it's it's kind of a Scream Six Jenna Ortega vibe. Yes, exactly, Benjamin. Mm. We can't we can't hypothesize as we did in your most popular ever TikTok that Russia Jean Page isn't in this. It's just a marketing scam. But he's in it nowhere near as much as the marketing would let you know would make you believe. Yeah, we were hook, lined, and sinkered, Michael, by the marketing execs over D and D. But he was great in it, wasn't he? He was very enjoyable, Michael. Very reminiscent of your own play style. Come D and D. Oh, go on. A very literal man. Very literal fellow altogether. Very... A touch of the Drax about him. Yeah, not a lot of room for the subtleties of human interaction. No, no, no. Why would you? Why would you, Michael? Why would you waste your time with such things? Michael, exactly. I thought, I'm, I'm still, I still fondly remember having seen this film. I, it I was think only two a, weeks ago now, Michael. I think it's a great film, Michael. I think they did a wonderful job. I only found out, Michael, that it's John Francis Daly. Oh, one of your favourites, Freaks and Geeks' own John Francis Daly. Him off the Freaks and Geeks who used to play all the D&D. He wrote and directed. Him off of um, playing Dr. Sweets in several seasons of Bones. Yeah. Yeah. Him. The big tall gangly fella. So he writes loads of films, Michael. Yes. Big films. Spider-Man oh, yeah. Homecoming. like For example. And, For example. Uh, of Dragons, Honour Among Thieves. Very good, Michael. Very well played. Um, so... Yeah. Anyway, what else are we going to talk about? Hugh Grant, Ben. <laughs> Hugh Grant, what a man. Okay. Hugh Grant is just having gas crack altogether, isn't he? I think Hugh Grant has reached a point, Michael, where he's just like, well, fuck all this. Um, yes, well, fuck it all anyway. I'm going to play the same characters on screen as I do in interviews and as I do on the red carpet, and I don't give a flying shit. I think shit. it might just be Hugh Grant. <laughs> I, I'm actually not certain he's acting at all. Mm, I th- they I didn't think ask him to betray them. I think he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's great because he's probably in a career phase that he didn't expect. Um, do you know what I mean? I don't think he thought he'd get his second wind in films mm. like Dungeons and Dragons, Honor, Honor Among Thieves or Paddington 2, for example. Or Paddington 2 or uh, Glass Onion. 
or Glass Onion. Well, in, in fairness, an, an admitted bizarre cameo, but yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think he expected that. I mean, it's great that he got it, but I really don't think he expected it, Michael. And now I think he's just like, well, I'm just going to have fun with them. Can we speak, Benjamin, about what I think was the biggest wasted opportunity for a surprise cameo? Well, go on. There's a surprise cameo, Ben. We're we're Hated. led we're led up a garden path on who's Holga's ex husband going to be. Yeah. And then it is a Hollywood A lister. Is he an A lister anymore? Yes. Okay. yes, he is. He is. Right. He's a Hollywood right. A lister. Right. Everyone in the cinema knew who it was straight away. And he's he's a bit of a special effects creature and it's quite amusing. But over and above everything. The sheer disappointment that it wasn't Vin Diesel just breaks my heart. I don't think I even would have taken um, Vin Diesel, Michael. I I don't know who it should have been, but it shouldn't have been one Bradley Cooper. Oh, you're you're revealing it. Okay. Um, I I just think there are so many famous D&D celebrities that could have been... Joe Mangliano. Could have been Joe Mangliano. Could have been... Vincent Diesel. It could have been um, her who played Karen Page in Daredevil. Deborah Ann Wall. Deborah Ann Wall. It could have been anybody like that. It could have been any of the cast of the hit streaming series Critical Role. Yeah, Matt Mercer. Could have been Matt Mercer. You know, anyone. But Bradley Cooper. I think they were going for a kind of Matt Damon. Oh, look, it's a, a surprise Matt Damon cameo. But even then, Matt Damon would have been better. Even Matt Damon would have been funnier. Yeah. Than Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, just I just don't get it. Yeah, no, it, you, you, you it, said it felt a, very much like a wasted opportunity for a an awesome comedy cameo. You said a couple of weeks ago, Michael, you know, you nothing should be sacred in comedy. The only thing that I ask is that it be funny. Yes. Um, it just wasn't funny. No, it wasn't funny like, at all. It was, just, it was just a small Bradley Cooper. <laughs> just a little small Bradley Cooper. He was normal proportions. He was just smaller. And I was just like, "What? why do you think this is funny? Like, what? what is this? And he wasn't a hobbit, Ben. He was, like, he was just normal Bradley Cooper, but I think, smaller. I think he's supposed to be a gnome. Was he a gnome or a halfling? All right. I, I'm not sure, Michael. But either way, bullshit. <laughs> Gas crack altogether. A bit of a wasted opportunity. But then again, Michael, the whole thing is fucking great. What a film. Do you hope, Benjamin, that this will be the start of um, a new genre of movie making? Uh, I don't really, Michael, because I, I think that I think that Hollywood needs to learn the lesson of one success does not a franchise make. True. Um, I, I really think... Marvel has has changed things irreparably in the in the movie making business, Michael. And we've seen various attempts to replicate the Marvel experiment come and go and fail. Yeah, um, the Dark Universe, the Dark Universe, DCU, mm. um, you Kong know, MonsterVerse, Kong MonsterVerse. You know, they've tried to replicate this, and the fact of the matter is, it only worked once for a certain amount of time, um, mainly because of the the vast novelty of creating such an extended universe um, and very good writing towards a fairly, fairly sizable payoff. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, also, the star power of Robert Downey Jr. carried a lot of that. He he carried, I, I think it's it's so funny that you kind of forget about the original heavy hitters now, um, you know, 
Chris Evans, but Robert Downey Jr. in particular, Michael, what a huge star at the time. Oh yeah, and like a massive hole left in the in the MCU um, by him not being there, and they really scraps grasping at straws to try and fill it. But that's neither here nor there for what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm hoping Benjamin that this is going to be the start of um, the start of that that genre of not necessarily D and D, not necessarily fantasy, but kind of motley crew teaming up to go on adventure movies. Oh, I, I think we'll probably see more of that, Michael. I think we're we're headed for an inevitable. D&D inspired storytelling universe. Yes. Um, I think Hasbro has dodged quite the bullet in having this film do so well. Yes, they were really at a big um, risk. It was a big risk for Hasbro. But they also fucked up royally by messing with their license yes, um, just before this. Yes, OGL scandal. Um, but I also find it very funny, Michael, that you know they had references to things like Critical Role in there um, with things like Fresh Cooked Grass. So they know themselves how dependent they are on independent contractors taking their material and pushing it. And I would argue, I would argue that actual play podcasts like Critical Role and... Uh, to Dimension a, 20. To a lesser extent, Dimension 20, they were key in opening up this kind of mass appeal of D&D. Absolutely. Um, also, think it's fascinating that I would imagine this came very much on the heels of Vox Machina Season 1. I wouldn't say so. No, this was this ha- would have had to have been made around the same time, if not before. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. But Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think this is... I don't think they saw Vox Machina Season 1 and said, roll out a $200 million movie. Okay, well, that's fair enough. But in in general, Michael, I, I think Hasbro has come out of this fucking lucky. Um, very, very, very lucky. And like desperately in need... Well, I mean, I say desperately in need of stirring, steering onto the right track. Nobody likes the Transformers movies, but they do make money. They do make money. I, I, I can't understand... My, I don't understand um, the cinema going public, Michael. I, I really no, you don't. don't. You don't. Um, you don't get them. I don't get them, Michael. Um, and it's possibly autism, and it's possibly a general disdain for for other people. Um, <laughs> but you know, it could be one or the other. But they do make money. The Transformers movies, do, they they keep getting made, so they must make money. It's interesting though, Ben, because we have this major kind of entertainment corporation in Hasbro. Um, you know, they make toys and games and books and and other things and they spread their wings into cinema but yeah. they seem to have kept a very tight control over what they wanted presented up on the big screen which isn't always the case mm. well yeah that's that's true michael uh you and i have suffered this week uh, <laughs> that was a fucking great segue that was a great segue spoiled by me um yeah. going what what's what? he talking about what's he talking about uh, that was a great segue, Michael. We watched a film where they gave up all creative control. But before that, we had a poll. Mm. Are you did. all right, Ben? Are you having an episode? We did. I have got such a high temperature at the moment, Michael. I am literally seeing spots. It's um, He's smoking, ladies and gentlemen. I am bizarrely uh, warm. It's not great. Um, anyway. Ben, shut up for a second. We decided, we put a poll up on the Instagram and we said, what was the best classic comic, not comic book movie, video game movie? Yeah. 
Because you can't throw a brick these days without hitting either a video game movie or the back of Chris Hemsworth's head. Look at everywhere. We had a we had a look at some of the first the most prominent early runners in the in the industry. Ben, we put four up. We put 1993's Super Mario Bros., the first ever adaptation of a of a video game. Would you believe? What is it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 1993. Um. Then we also put up my personal favourite, Mortal Kombat, which is great. It's got Christopher Lambert, and he's going, <laughs> and it's got. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember how he does it. <laughs> and then we put up a Street Fighter, Benjamin, based on your favourite uh, Kylie Minogue property. Yep. And uh, funnily enough, that was kind of it for major ones from the 90s. So we had to stretch our goal a little bit and go yeah. into the early 2000s. We hyperextended. We, a little bit. And we put up Tomb Raider. And I tell you what, our most highly contested poll yet. Yeah. We had lots of interest, but also lots of confusion. Go on. It's just, it was highly contested, Michael. But it seems to be the Tomb Raider has pulled ahead. Yeah, Tomb Raider has pulled ahead in the end with 40% of the votes. What in the fuck? Mad stuff. Probably the best film of the four, though. Well, I, pref- I still prefer uh, Mortal Kombat. I, I, I don't know if you could call it a good film, Michael, could you? Mortal Kombat? No, Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, nah, you might. You might. It's you, not awful. I, I remember a, that being at the height of Angelina Jolie's kind of star power. Yes. Um, And I remember people were more excited about the fact that it was going to be Angelina Jolie than... Than Lara Croft. Than it was going to be Lara Croft, I think. I don't know. Um, I find that such an interesting one, you know. Um, But yeah, look, Michael, that pulled ahead... And in second place there, I can't remember what was in second place. I think they're pretty close. It was Mortal Kombat. My Mortal Kombat. Oh, you're a man of fine taste, Michael. Exactly, Benjamin. We even had a, cool, a couple of comments from the, the gram. We had a comment from my good friend and yours, Nisha. Yeah. Hi, Nisha. And he reckons, he reckons the best is probably Mortal Kombat. And he knows all about video games, Benjamin, because he is Retro Gamer Ireland. He is, so he would know. He would know. Uh, but he also says Mario Brothers is pretty good, Street Fighter is pretty good, and Tomb Raider has its moments. So he's, he's a real non-committal answer there. For yeah, Alicia, it was very, very safe honest. all-rounder. It's probably why he's so popular, Michael. Exactly. <laughs> and then we had uh, we had Stephen saying none of them were any good. Excuse now, me, I feel that Stephen. Yes, go on. You and your negative energy coming in here. <laughs> now I think that's that the Stephen? point of. Yes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's our Stephen. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, hold on. Yeah. Well, it's a Stephen we have in common. I don't no, know. No, wait, hang on. I don't, I don't know what Stephen you would consider him to be our Stephen. Our, I, our I DM Stephen. No, no, different Stephen. Oh, no. Then I can't bully that Stephen. I'm sorry to the other Stephen. <laughs> There's too many Stephen. I can only bully the one Stephen. And if it's not that Stephen, I shan't bully any Stephens at all. Anyway, Benjamin. Yeah. We watched the film that scored the lowest on the poll. Yeah. 1993's Super Mario Bros. Yeah, Michael, look, we. This is bizarre. This mad, is mad shit. Fucking mental, Michael. So, this is the most 90s movie you could think of. Yes. That has nothing to do with the property it's attached to. Absolutely shag all. It's from a very interesting time, Ben, when movies and video games did not see each other. Yeah. And. When when video games were licensing themselves out to be movies, they didn't really care what the movie did. Why? 
Because it was seen as a whole other genre and nothing to do with the game. And, you know, essentially Nintendo told the movie producers, yeah, 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 just run with it. You know, do whatever, do Mario, whatever. So, Michael, this is a bizarre film. It stars uh, Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo as a very young man. And um, bloody Dennis Hopper, right? Yes, Dennis Hopper. Yeah, yeah. And Samantha Mathis, uh, if we're going to... You know, since we're throwing around accusations of misogyny. Uh, I'm a noted misogynist, Michael, several times <laughs> out of ten. Um, female face blindness, I think. Female is what, face blindness yeah. is what you call it. Um, yeah. But yeah, come here to me. Uh, Michael, this is a bizarre film that, that takes the names of the characters. Mario, yes. Luigi, uh, yes. Koopa. They don't even use Bowser. Um, they don't even use Bowser. And then we have Peach. No, we don't have Peach. Sorry, there's no Peach. There's Daisy. No, it's Daisy. Yeah. There's Daisy and there's Daniela. Daniela has nothing to do with this. I thought Daniela is great. I thought this was. I thought Daniela was a reference to Mario's original girlfriend in the Donkey Kong barrel throwing game. Remember that? Oh, one? very good. Okay. But she's Pauline. Oh well, you know he gets about. He does. Mario's a Mario's an old charmer. Um, he's an Lothario, Yeah. So, Michael, this is this is in the vein of a lot of '90s movies at the time. Um, yes. It's it's Waterworld meets yep. you know total recall meets total recall it's it's bizarre it's a dystopian thing it's uh new york is the greatest fucking city on earth kind of vibes yep. you know it's bizarre michael there's a touch of demolition man there's about a it. lot of demolition man about this so it's it's bizarre right and i thought originally when i was going to watch it michael that it was going to be terribly acted no it's not it's not it's not. No, it's got a hell of a cast. It just makes no sense. It's got my favourite actor and yours, Ben, Fisher Stevens. Who's Fisher Stevens, Michael? He plays one of the Koopas, one of the smart ones. Oh. The two brothers, the two brothers who are tracking her down. Yeah, they're gas. They're a lot of they're fun, They're gas Michael. crack altogether, one, yeah. One of my favourite things with them, it's Spike and I can't remember the name of the other fella. Iggy? Iggy, yeah, Spike and Iggy. Spike and Iggy, Michael, go through an evolution process where they become more intelligent. But yeah. apparently the screenwriters assumed that more intelligent was having read a dictionary. Yeah, they um, just knew more words. They knew more words, but they have no possible understanding of... of <laughs> just as big idiots. ...anything else. Um, no understanding of anything else. And it's bizarre. Um, what, what I love about it, Ben... One of my favourite things about it is that it was made in the 90s, so everything is just a little bit inappropriately sexy and sleazy. Oh, it's, it's, it's so sleazy, Michael. <laughs> it's great. It's so Benjamin, sleazy. If you ever worry what's wrong with me, all you have to remember is that that's when I grew up. Yeah, it explains a lot about you. It does. <laughs> There's a lot of gaps that so, get filled when I watch a 90s piece of content and I'm like, ah. Yeah, yeah. Everything was inappropriately sexy and sleazy. Like they, uh, Koopa has when he kidnaps his princess Daisy, he has her dressed up in a nice little revealing ball gown. You have, what are you looking for? My dog is running around in the room. Tell her to stop. I'm just trying to keep her quiet. Tell her to stop She's gone again now. Oh, what a day to podcast, Michael. Um, Brilliant day of podcasting. Every podcast is someone's first podcast. Go on. We had Fiona, Ireland's own Fiona Shaw. Fiona Shaw's in this fucking film, Michael. As an unnecessarily sexy henchwoman. Why is Fiona Shaw in this film? And why did it make me feel things? (laughs) It's great, isn't it? It's great how we have have the bouncer who steals the crystal from them. Big Bertha. Big Bertha. And she's kind of like a... 
big giant um, Amazonian dominatrix black woman. bouncer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, great sleazy nineties stuff. I I can't make sense of the city itself, Michael. So the the central premise of this film, and you may as well forget everything you know about Super Mario because it's not relevant. But in this, Michael, for some reason. When the dinosaurs were made extinct by a comet, they weren't made yeah. extinct. They were transferred into a parallel dimension to our own. And yes. I didn't realize, Michael, when I was setting in to watch this film, I assumed that meant that they were dinosaur people. I had seen some of the stills of, yes. um, you know, the, the weird Koopa-headed fellas, the yep. little, the little headed the fellas. Little heads, yeah. And I assumed that everyone would be like that because it was dinosaurs. No, they're just people. They're people who evolve. They're just people who evolve in dinosaurs in the same way that we evolve from apes. What a load of bullshit! Yeah, well, it's a '90s science fiction fantasy weird universe film. So what we then find out, Michael, is they built one city. Yes, one city. That's it. Just the one. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a desert. Yeah. The desert. I thought we were finally going to get some classic Mario levels when Mario went to the desert. No. 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 There's no. There's no Mario levels. It's it's all just it's it's 2000 ideas of the cursed earth. Oh, it's fucking bizarre, Michael. What a weird film. Um, there's a lot of Judge Dredd about it too. Actually, now that I think, yeah, about there's it. a lot of Judge Dredd in this. The, the the city itself, Michael, is fucking chaos. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Everybody is beating each other up. There's the bizarre granny that like asks the lads do they have a weapon, and then like yeah. starts to fucking try and steal all their stuff. Yeah, she's my favourite. She's she's a brilliant character, Michael. Doesn't belong in a Super Mario film. <laughs> she does. Like, uh, you remember, you jump on her head in World 1-3. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Granny Gr- Granny Koopa. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is so interesting to me, Michael, because it's not a Super Mario film. You could Well, it is. It's called no, Super no, Mario Bros. No, no, but you Bros. could have made this as any other property, Michael, with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. But it's about two fine. New York plumbers who get pulled into a dinosaur world where everyone's toadstools. So this is the bit that annoys me the most, Michael. I was looking forward to some cute, bloody 90s paper mache toad people. No, oh, no, you don't get any of that. And what I got, Michael, was a Cronenberg nightmare. <laughs> Michael. It's a good time for fungus, isn't it? I have never been so disgusted by a movie prop. I was just, my skin crawled every time the fungus got involved i was just like no no i don't like the weird bizarre scenes where she's talking to her father in the fungus sack yeah he's a fungus and he's just drooling every ah michael very very disarming as a concept i think i'd i think i'd get on well with her dad he seemed like a real fun guy very well played michael very well played Um, thank you but come here to me michael come here to me what is it i just can't understand this film so koopa is played by dennis hopper right yeah, I thought it was Rutger Hauer, but it's not. It's Dennis Hopper. It's Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper ended up playing this role a lot. Um, Waterworld. Waterworld is the exact same character. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a few others in there as well. Super Mario Bros. Super Mario Bros. I'll look up some other ones now in a second. But it's such... First of all, there's a Chekhov's gun moment that's set up and never let go of um, where Mario oh, slightly devolves him. Um, and we see a little burst of Tyrannosaurus DNA Eyeball. once or twice. And it never comes to full fruition until he's hit with the devolution rate mm. later on, which I think is a shame, Michael. I think you'd sown the seeds to have him morph into a big monstery fella at a later point. Um, 
then there's the whole he's his partner is Fiona Shaw or assistant I don't know assistant love interest side piece I don't know Ireland's own Fiona Shaw Ireland's own Fiona Shaw much better than this film um, but he turn, he goes full lech, Michael. He becomes obsessed with Daisy. Yeah. And he doesn't need Daisy for much other than to stick the fucking Peter Meteorite yeah. into the thing. And, Michael, that's the other bit I couldn't wrap my head around. Why is Daisy so important in this film? Why not make her peach? Why did it have to be John Leguizamo and the love interest? So interesting. Wait, hold on. I, I, I'm no great Mario fan, Ben. Which one's Daisy and which one's Peach? Daisy is Luigi's girlfriend. So that's the correct choice. Okay. And Peach is Mario's girlfriend. But what colour does Peach wear? Pink. Pink. And Daisy wears yellow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's, there's, a few, there's a few moments, Michael, that really chapped my buns, right? Oh, go on. As a big Mario fan. As a big Mario fan. Or as an accuracy fan. Because let's be honest, I'm not a big Mario fan. I don't really care all that Okay, much. go on. When they go to the nightclub, Michael. Yes. They are wearing two garishly coloured suits. Yes. Mainly so they can make a cross-dressing joke. Right? <laughs> Brilliant. I love the 90s. Why wasn't the suit green and bright red? And why did they give the bright red suit to Luigi? Because they didn't care about I know, but it's just shit. But this is this movie is as old as you. This is the nascent days of trying to turn movies into video games into movies. And it's much easier nowadays where, like, what did they have to work with when this came out? Yeah. They had, he's a plumber, he goes through pipes, he fights dinosaur men, and uh, toadstool men. Yeah, in fairness, animation wasn't anywhere near where it could have been. No, it was like the only other Mario media, Ben, was a children's cartoon series called Super Mario World. Oh, yeah. And it, it is an absolute abomination of a thing. Go on, tell me more. Uh, I watched a couple of episodes. In particular, I watched one where Koopa's sons try to join the school that Princess Peach has set up in Dinosaur World. Right. And it's dreadful. It it doesn't have a tone. The tone is halfway between educational but also not really teaching any lessons that are worth teaching. It doesn't sound great. I know. I was watching it thinking this is going to be a lesson about like acceptance and like people who come from different backgrounds or different cultures. If you invite them into your school and they'll become pleasant members of your society or whatever. Now, whatever about whether that's true or not as a message, I thought that was going to be the message, but then it wasn't. And it, it just turned into a skit comedy about setting off a volcano and uh, dreadful stuff I mean all it really told me was I see why Nintendo nearly dropped the ball and let Sonic gain so much pop culture popularity he really did because Mario was so poorly defined back then Yeah, they didn't know what to do with him they hadn't a clue Um, and he wasn't cool no he certainly wasn't and in the cool lechy 90s, a badass hedgehog, it's no surprise that Sonic nearly snatched away Mario's torch and ran off with it. Yeah. No, not not shocking at all once you see this yeah, and go, exactly. oh no, oh no, no bueno. Michael, there are so many bizarre moments in this film. Um, I, they thought they were getting a sequel, Michael. 
They really did. Oh, yeah. There's there's a little there's a little scene at the end where Daisy bursts in. It's like, guys, you'll never guess what's happened. I need you. And then Mario just goes, I believe, and he runs out. Uh, Bob Hoskins, what a great big brother, though. In fairness, there are some redeeming qualities here. Bob Hoskins is a very, very, very supportive big brother. I was constantly waiting for him to give Luigi bad advice for his efforts to seduce Daisy. No, he was just he was just being a nice person. And yeah, and that's his advice. He's just like, just be nice to her. Just, you know. Don't be a dick. Don't, just be nice to her. Yeah, treat her nice. And I was like, this is weird for the 90s. Don't you mean kidnap her and put her in an exploitative outfit? That's, see, that's the interesting thing here is Bob Hoskins is playing a blinder as an older brother. His older brother character is defined very, very well. And John Leguizamo is quite enjoyable as the earnest, dopey Luigi. Luigi Mario. I would have watched that film, Michael, in New York without the parallel dimension shite. I would have watched an up and down kind of adventure with Iggy and Spike acting the bollocks up and down New York. That I would have watched. (laughs) Like, Yeah, it's not great, though. uh, None of it's great, Michael. Look, ladies and gentlemen, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. You probably not. You probably not. You can let us know in a few different places if you've seen the new Super Mario movie, or uh, if you've seen this abomination from 1993. You can get in touch with us in a few different ways. You can find us on the interwebs www.shamrebuke.com. It means tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. You can find us on Instagram at Listen Podcast. Listen in English. It is. Uh, you can also find us on TikTok at Listen. You can. Yeah, we're up there as well. And the best way to get in yeah. touch with us, ladies and gentlemen, to share all your yes. pop culture hot takes so that we can copy them and steal them for our own, um, <laughs> is to get up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on it. The link is, as it always is, in the description below. Yeah, I'm off to go uh, do something from that movie that I had to watch this week. You're going to hit... Jump through a warp zone. Yeah. You didn't say see you next Tuesday. No, I didn't want to. I did oh, the Super Mario sound. Very good. Very good. <laughs> All right. <laughs>